couldn't help but notice, so when we sang the I'm Gonna See a Victory, I couldn't help but notice that there were some Georgia fans that were really getting after it. There, that, I, that was the most I've seen some of you sports fans worship ever. But do you know what the next song started with? There is a chasm between us. So Georgia fans, I'm praying for you. I have no skin in the game. Uh, today's Victory Sunday, uh, uh, and uh, this is my favorite Sunday. I, I'm kind of bummed that COVID has decided to uh, rear its ugly head again, and that there's so many people out this week. But if you're watching at home, I'm excited that you're watching at home. Uh, and if your friends aren't here or have COVID, tell them you gotta watch this Sunday because well, he, here's what Victory Sunday does for us. It's a way for us to celebrate what God has done in the last year, and, and it's kind of a way for us to turn the page. It's a little bit of a turning the page on what's next, and so we wanna celebrate what God did through us and in us and around us in 2021, but we also wanna kinda give a word for the future and kinda look forward to, to what is God doing in 2022 and what are we excited about and what's next and all of those things. But, but I always wanna start Victory Sunday by saying this. This is not a Sunday where we're celebrating Grace Marietta. Are you with me? This is not a Sunday where we're celebrating our church. This is not a Sunday where we're celebrating our staff or our board or our Jesus, that you're present and you're working and you're moving and you're good and you've provided and you've protected and you've cared for and you've blessed and you've moved and you've worked. And so today, I want you to know, as we talk about all of these things, as we talk about the victories of 2021 and the future of 2022, it's all about Jesus. And everything we do here is centered around the fact that we wanna praise him, worship him, thank him, and, and recognize his presence and his goodness in us, among us, and through us. And so today, as we celebrate, I just wanna be really clear. We are celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating the work that he's doing. We're celebrating the ways in which he's moved among us. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna give us a list of just some victories, some amazing things that happened in 2021. Last year, this is what we did. Last year, at this time, we, we did our top 20 ways in which Jesus worked in 2020, and then we asked everybody in the church to do the same, to think through what are 20 ways that you saw God working and moving in 2020, and, and then write them down, pay attention, and we shared them on social media, and so it went out all over the place, and everybody hashtagged Victory Sunday. You can do that again. 21 is getting a little high, though. That's a lot of ways. So I, we didn't go with 21 ways, but we just went with like, hey, let's just name some of the ways in which God's working. And, and here's what I wanna encourage you to do with this, and this is our encouragement every single year, is we do this corporately together as a community and as a body to say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done in our body and through our church and through this ministry. Thank you for those things. But we could have like... We could just open a mic and we could stay here for a month and have different people come up and just give testimony after testimony after testimony of how God's worked. Like maybe that's what we need to do next year at Victory Sunday is just stick a mic here and have each person come up and name 22 things. Uh, like we could just be here forever thinking back. And here's something, there's, there's something powerful about the practice of praise. There's something powerful about the practice of remembering. All throughout the Old Testament, there's these festivals and these guides and these moments where, where God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember what I've done here. Build a statue, build a monument. Every time people walk past, you're gonna see this monument and they're gonna worship and they're gonna praise. Paul says, you are the monument. We are living stones, we are the living monuments and our lives tell the story of God's goodness. 
And so part of this is getting us in the habit of practicing celebration, practicing praise, practicing worship. So let's go. Uh, Some amazing ways that God's worked. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. These these are all worth getting excited about. Here's what our church gets excited about. I've been with you guys for five years, right? We get excited in like the peak of the song, right? Right in the bridge when it's right the right moment. And Angie does one of those, she does. Uh, We get excited in those moments. We get excited when people are baptized. We are good at celebrating baptism, am I right? When somebody gets baptized, the church, church gets really loud. The rest of the time, we're, we're pretty laid back, right? So we can celebrate today. Uh, here, here's the first thing on Victory Sunday. This year, 2020-21, we finished our park out here, which is a huge deal. Yes, I like it, I like it. We finished it, we opened our park, we spent, we, that, that's, a, that's a three to four year project of planning and preparing, and, and uh, it's been so amazing to see how many people are out there. And I also have a second piece of good news, the park is now paid for. So every penny, every, <laughs> every penny has come in for the park, uh, and there's been so much work that's happened in that, and that's been, a, a, like, I just can't, here's, here's what was so beautiful about the park for me, guys. We had this vision that we wanted to create a side door to the church, that we wanted to do something that blessed the community, that we wanted to do something that said, hey, this is not for us, this is for you. And we built this place, and it's full, and there's people out there, all, there's people playing basketball the other day. It was like two degrees. Like, it's, it is so cold. It, it is not supposed to be as cold in Atlanta as it is in Ohio. That is not why I moved here. And the last two weeks, it has been cold. But there were people playing basketball when it was just freezing. Here's the thing that I love about the park. The park was like the combination of lots and lots of small gifts. It was just the whole church coming together to say, let's do this together and let's make it work. It wasn't like there were two donors who paid for the whole thing. It was the entire church that gathered together and sacrificed and said, Let's do this, and it's a testimony for how good God is, the vision for us to do that, and, and let's keep praying that every single time some kid's playing basketball out there, there's a beautiful light that's shined in this place, and they're saying, you know what, I wanna come over there and hear about Jesus. That every time we have a conversation out there that it's rooted in scripture and it gives us the opportunity to proclaim the gospel and the good news, that every time somebody has a birthday party in that pavilion and they're eating cake, there's something that's connecting them to Jesus, and let's keep praying that there's amazing things uh, happening there. Um, Part of the reason we built the park is because we wanted to grow in our hospitality for the community. Uh, We do a bunch of outreach events through the summer. So we did summer, we did uh, Fridays in the park, we did trunk or treat, we did our Christmas festival. We had over a thousand people from the community come out to all of those events, which is a huge, huge deal. Uh, we were able to give over $20,000 to local organizations to bless the poor and the less fortunate. So that's money that went directly to organizations, straight to places that is going directly to um, helping the poor, helping the under-resourced in our community in really cool ways. We provided meals, coats, and blankets uh, over and over and over again. Uh, I, I love this. So every month, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but every month we have a community outreach project. And so there's something that we're doing as a community. We, we collected coats over uh, Christmas and, oh, and over December, and we, we gave those coats away and blankets and those kinds of things. Every time we do this, the organizations that we're partnering with are always amazed that a tiny church like ours provides as much as what we provide. 
Um, that's because of your guys' generosity. It's such a beautiful thing that God is continuing to work and, and do those kinds of things. Um, we saw over 60 students in our ministry, 60 different students, either attend a camp or a retreat this year. So students and kids. Uh, we do summer camp for kids. Uh, we do CIY for our students. All of those things were amazing. Um, we continued our relationship with Wheeler and all the feeder schools in the Wheeler district. That's been our heart, is to be connected to the local local schools to connect it to the local organizations. I'm really excited to say this year we've started partner with an organization called NG3, which is an organization that is going directly into the high schools and is serving. And so now NG3 has a, has a platform and a place at Wheeler High School. Uh, Grant is partnering with them and doing some amazing things. It's opened doors into the school that have never been open for us before. And it's a really, really beautiful thing. Um, we have filled the Wheeler pan food pantry over and over. Every time the Wheeler Food Pantry gets low, you know who the first church they call is. It's us. They call us and say, hey, we're getting low here. We need to fill it back up. And all, we just all bring in green beans or whatever it is, and, and all of a sudden it's filled back up. It's a really, really beautiful thing. Um, we've celebrated nine new believers who were baptized this year, uh, and, uh, and, and that's very, very exciting. Um, and, and what's even more exciting about that is a bunch of those were young people. It was students or kids. We're seeing uh, really amazing things happen in, in the family and, and some breakthrough there. Um, over 80 leaders from our church went through our discipleship process. So over 80 leaders from Grace Marietta went through a process of discovering your kingdom dream and then designing your life around it. Um, that's a huge, huge thing. That's, that's, that's a third of our church went through this process of growing and developing and learning and discovering what's my calling in my everyday life and, and how do I walk through this and live this out uh, in my everyday life. We were able to support nine different missionaries that are serving in the Muslim world. And so I wish that we could put pictures and names of the places that were our, but they're all in too dangerous places for us to do that. But I can tell you there are amazing stories happening in the Muslim world because we're able to support these missionaries who are doing an incredible work. And our missions team here at Grace Marietta has done an amazing job this year, both gathering more partners, supporting those partners, praying for those partners, caring for those partners, and there's so much amazing things that are happening there. Uh, as, a, as a family, the Grace family gave $71,000 to for Christian leaders in Afghanistan this year. So we raised money uh, to help leaders either find a pathway out or to figure out a way to stay in Afghanistan, and $71,000 was given through the family. Um, we continued our partnership with the Hope Counseling Center, and so uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, we have partnered with Hope Counseling, and so one day a week they come here on site and we provide counseling for the community, and there are tons and tons of people who go through that process and are here every single week getting biblical counseling, getting cared for, getting their, their, their needs addressed, and, and, and partnering in, in really cool ways. Uh, we saw over 40 new partners this year. So over 40 people said, Grace Marietta is my church home now. Um, let me do this. I know there's not a lot of people in the room today, but if, if you started coming to Grace Marietta for the first time this year in 2021, raise your hand for me. Raise your hand. Look at that. That is awesome. Yeah. As we're celebrating. We're so glad that you guys are here. And thanks for sticking with us in a weird COVID season. <laughs> we love you guys and we're so excited about that. Um, speaking of that, we have developed a whole new group strategy 
that we're launching at the end of January. And so if you have kind of been hanging on saying, how do I connect, where do I connect, what do I do? We've got a whole new experience that's gonna be launched. It's called Kingdom Communities. There's gonna be community groups all over the city that are gonna be really excited. Tons of ways for us to plug in, eat meals together, be together in homes, live on mission together, be discipled. Lots of different expressions of kingdom dreams that are gonna come out of this. I am so excited. I'm not, they told me I'm not allowed to tell you any more than that. So uh, I, I would sit, spend the next half hour telling you how excited I am about that. But if you've been looking for a way to connect and been sitting around thinking, man, I gotta find a way, I gotta get with some other believers, I wanna be on mission, I wanna be discipled, all those kinds of things, kingdom communities are coming into the month, more information uh, about all of those things. Um, the Grace Family of Churches added two new churches to our family in 2021. That's a really, really big deal. And so our family is multiplying local church in Nashville, Tennessee, and West Side in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, are now a part of the Grace family. And there's, we've got the Grace Summit coming up, and at the Grace Summit, there's, there's always all of these amazing conversations and these leaders that are coming in from other places who are saying, I see how God is working here, and I just wanna be a part of it. So how can I be a part of the movement of the Grace family of churches? So pray for that. Pray as there's more conversations about adoption, as there's more conversation with fellows and church planners who wanna go plant churches in the future, and, and all of the beautiful discipleship that's happening. We've got residents across the family who are being discipled. Tons of amazing things going on. And we grew our staff team by three leaders this year, which is pretty excited. So uh, Angie... We're so glad Angie's here. Uh, Darrell and Grant, so glad that they're here. Um, and so, so grateful for all the ways that God has been working. So I wanna just, let's just cheer for all of those things. Um, amazing, amazing, fun stuff. Um, here's what I wanna do. I wanna give us a kind of a word and a direction for 2022. And I've been stuck in John chapter 12. Uh, our vision here at Grace Marietta is awaken each other to live kingdom dreams in a world that's fast asleep. And so we have this strong belief that inside the heart of every believer there is a kingdom dream. And when we say kingdom dream, what we mean is there is a kingdom assignment for everybody. And so our vision is not just like, hey, let's, let's throw out this vision. We have a dream of creating a big church and having lots of people gather together. That's not our hope. Our hope is we have a dispersed community where every single person that sits in our pews every single week is going out and following Jesus in the world that they've been assigned to. And so there is this movement that happens and that what we do in here impacts our community out there and that transformation is taking place. And so we don't wanna just awaken each other. That's part of it. I love the language each other. Right? Because there's this conversation that's going on with each other of like, what's your kingdom dream for this year? What are you chasing down for this year? Where's God calling you this year? What are the, what's the thing that you're pursuing? What's the God dream that you're chasing this year? I want that to be a part of all of our conversations. When these kingdom communities launch, I want that to be the conversation at the dinner table as you guys are eating meals together. Hey, how's your thing doing that you're doing over here? How's that relationship with your neighbor? We were praying for this. How is that going? There's this encouragement and this urging each other on to follow follow Jesus into the hard places and into the difficult places, but we don't just wanna awaken each other to just know our kingdom dreams, because it's one thing for me to understand and know my calling, it's a whole nother thing for me to live it out, and so we wanna awaken each other to live our kingdom dreams in a world that's fast asleep. Uh, I don't know if anything describes Marietta better than fast asleep. We are moving fast, 
Everybody's moving fast. Everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's busy. Everybody's driving to downtown to work. Everybody's stuck in traffic. Everybody's hurried. Everybody's on the phone. Everybody's annoyed that there's traffic on Whitlock. Like everybody's frustrated about something and we're moving fast. But sometimes I just think we're asleep. We're missing Jesus. We're missing the things that are happening around us. So John chapter 12, if you want to open your Bibles there, verse 20, it starts with this. It says, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. The feast that they're talking about here is the Passover. So in John chapter 12, John takes kind of a different route than Luke takes when he talks about uh, the, 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 the Passion Week. There's kind of a whole different route here. And, and there's this like plot to kill Lazarus in there. There's like, there's some fun things in there that if you read it, nobody ever preaches about. I've never heard anybody preach about the plot to kill Lazarus. I'm not doing that today either uh, because it, it would be a weird sermon. I don't know what you would do with it, but, but it's there. There's all these kind of strange things and it starts kind of in a weird way. But in John chapter 12, Jesus has entered into the city. The palm branches have been thrown. Everybody celebrated that Jesus was there. The disciples came with him, and they're celebrating the Passover. So the Passover is this time where all of the Jews from all over the place kind of make this pilgrimage into Jerusalem where they're worshiping together, they're celebrating together. And so they're singing songs as they travel on the road. It's this thing where you bring your children and you celebrate and you teach them about God. It's almost like what we're doing today of Victory Sunday. It's this day where you look back and you celebrate the fact that Jesus is our, that God is our protector right, that he passed over, that he cared for us, that he protected us, all of these different things. And so the city is packed. There's visitors everywhere. Jesus has entered in. Everybody celebrated him. They waved palm branches. All of these happen, things happen. And then there's this group of Greeks, non-Jews. So these are not people that are celebrating the feast. They're not people that are a part of the community, but they're saying, I wanna see this Jesus. Maybe they heard stories of Lazarus, Maybe they heard stories of the feeding of the 5,000. Maybe they heard stories of this teacher that's teaching with a new level of authority and power and strength, and they're saying, we wanna see Jesus. We wanna see Jesus. So Jesus had welcomed them into the city, um, and they come to Philip, verse 21. It says, so they came to Philip, who is from Bethsaida in Galilee, and they asked him, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, I don't know why they came to Philip. Maybe it's because Philip has a Greek name and they were like, hey, this guy's like us. He's not a Jew. Let's talk to Philip. Uh, maybe it's because he's from Bethsaida, which is more of a Greek community than a Jewish community. Um, maybe all of the disciples were just taking appointments for Jesus, right? I, I would imagine there were a lot of people trying to get to Jesus. But the question that they ask, I think it may be the most significant question that any of us could ask in 2022. We wanna see Jesus. We wanna see Jesus. We wanna see Jesus moving and working. I grew up in a pretty conservative church in Dayton, Ohio. It was a big church. There were thousands of people that were there every week. Um, we had a lot of purple. There was purple everywhere, right? I think, I don't know, was it early 80s or late 70s that purple was the, was the jam for churches? Like per, churches just decided, you know what our strategy for reaching lost people is? Purple. And they just put purple everywhere, right? And so they, it, was, it was a very purple church and there was purple everywhere and we gathered together and our church would never get very hyped, right? They were kind of like us, but even more lame. Uh, they would not get excited about much of anything. Nobody was raising their hands. Nobody was clapping or, or celebrating. Occasionally there would be like a 
clap off beat. It was a very, it was, we, they couldn't even clap on beat. It was very, very bad. But one thing would happen. On Easter Sunday, there was this dude from our church who could sing. And I, I don't remember his name. But he would get up there and he would sing. And he would sing a Gaither song. Anybody with me on the Gaithers? Three of you. Yeah. You got to be old school in the church if you know the Gaithers, right? The Gaither vocal band had this song, and it was called Holy, Holy, Holy or something like that. And on Easter Sunday, this dude would get up, and he would sing the same song every Easter Sunday. Everybody was like, okay, Cliff's going to sing the same song now. And we did this every year growing up, and he would get up and sing. And there's this moment in the song where he's singing about going up to heaven, and he's singing about this moment, and he says, I want to see Jesus. And in the, the, his voice got high, and, and, and everybody in our church was like, whoa! It was like the only time ever that our church cheered or got excited about anything was that idea of we want to see Jesus. But it was always like in this moment of like, I want to see Jesus when I die and go to heaven. It's like all these old people, they were sitting around like, I'm about done. I got, a, I got a good 10 years, 20 years. It's not gonna be much longer, and then I'm calling it quits. And so I'm looking forward to that day when I'm in heaven and I wanna see Jesus. And I remember coming home from church on one of those Easter Sundays, and my parents were like, they were like the young family. It was like everybody was seasoned uh, in the church. And, and my mom and dad at that time, my parents just had their 50th wedding anniversary yesterday. 50th, which is amazing, yeah. Uh, 50th wedding anniversary, but, but at this time, they were young, right? And, and we were just little kids, and my mom came home, and I remember my mom saying, man, I wish our church would want to see Jesus now. I wish they didn't just have a, there's gonna be a future version of Jesus that shows up, and we're gonna see him one day, and it's gonna be perfect, and it's gonna be beautiful, and it's gonna be great, and it's gonna be amazing. I wish our church would wanna see him on Monday morning at their office. I wish my church would want to celebrate Jesus working on Tuesday afternoon at the restaurant when you're eating lunch. I wish that they would celebrate Wednesday night when the students are gathered in our community that Jesus is going to show up and we want to see Jesus now. I've been the pastor of this church now for five years. This will be my sixth year in May, will be, or April, will be my sixth year as pastor of the church. And the one thing I can say about Grace Marietta unequivocally is that we want to see Jesus We have, from the moment that we started, had this vision that God is speaking, that God is moving, that Jesus is working right now, every hour, every moment, every minute, and our job as the church is to follow him wherever he leads. And so we have to see him. We don't just wish to see him. We don't just want to see him. We long to see him in our everyday life. And I think one of the greatest practices of discipleship for anybody in the church is to learn to see Jesus. There's so many different moments where I go through my life and I feel like I missed something. You ever have that moment? A friend calls you on the phone and you're kind of busy and you're doing three things at once and you're driving in the car and you're yelling at your kids in the back and the the friend's telling you to pray for something and you're like, oh yeah, I'll pray for that. And you hang up and you're like, wait a minute, I think I just missed a moment to see Jesus. I missed a moment to work with him, to do the things that he's asked me to do. I I missed that moment. And so we have to look at our lives and pay enough attention to see him. In Luke chapter 24, there's this couple, Cleophas 
and his wife, and they're traveling on the road to Emmaus. And as they're traveling on the road to Emmaus, this traveler comes up beside him, and he just starts talking to him, and he starts sharing with them, and he starts telling them about Scripture and telling them about what's happening in culture and in Jerusalem and telling them all about these things. And it says their eyes were opened, and they understood for the first time, and they did not realize that Jesus was the one that was walking with them all along. I wonder how many days of our life Jesus is trying to come up beside us on the road to wherever we're going and we're too busy, we're too distracted, we're too worried, we're too anxious, we're too frustrated, we're too irritated, we're, we're whatever we're, is going on in us, we're missing that Jesus is actually right there. In verse 16 in Luke 24, it says, their eyes kept them from recognizing him. I think there's moments where we miss him where he's working. And so one of the greatest practices I wanna challenge you in for the next year, and I wanna challenge myself and us as a church, is to just practice the, the discipline of finding Jesus every day. I wanna see where you are. I wanna see where you're working. I wanna be where you are. I wanna be in the places that you're working and moving. Verse 22, it says, Philip went and told Andrew and Philip, and they went and told Jesus. So the, the Greeks want to see him, so they grab some others. Philip grabs Andrew. They talk together. They go to Jesus, and, and, they, and Jesus says this to them. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus is really bad at answering questions in the Bible. Are you with me? If you have read through the Gospels, Jesus never answers anything directly. It would be so irritating you would be like, hey, Jesus, what do you want for lunch? And he'd be like, living water, right? Like, like there's just, like, I, there's, there's just like, he, he never answers the question directly. This is the, but, but this is interesting because this is the only time in the Gospels where somebody asked Jesus for something in a humble posture and he says no. There is no other place that I can find where somebody comes to him with a humble, like there's people that are proud and ask him for stuff and he's like, mm, you're not getting that. But nobody that ever comes, and here's the reason. He says, listen, no, I, and, and he explains it to his disciples. He's actually explaining it. The disciples just don't know he's explaining it, right? So they think he's just doing one of those weird things where he's just talking about something. But he's actually saying, listen, I would love to meet with those Greeks. I'd love to disciple them. I'd love to spend time with them. I'd love to invite them to be my disciples. I'd love to see what happens in them. But my time has come, and I've got something else that I need to do. Jesus was always focused on his kingdom dream. He always knew exactly where that kingdom dream was leading him. He knew his kingdom assignment. He knew his task, and he knew that set before him was the cross. There was a, there's a moment in the, in the Gospels where Peter's talking to Jesus, and all of a sudden the scriptures just shift, and it says Jesus set his heart on Jerusalem. And from then on, it shifts. His task from then on is not so much raising up the disciples to do the work that he's doing. He's not training them. He's not focused on all those things. He's actually setting his heart towards death and resurrection. And he's moving towards those things. Uh, verse 24, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The second thing that I want us to recognize, the first is that we, we wanna see Jesus. The second thing is this, our kingdom dreams will cost us something. Like if there, if there is a word for 2022 that I have, if there's a passage that I think is significant, I think it's this passage. I think this might be the most important passage for us to carry with us into the next year. 
this idea that unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains what? Alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. We are in the second year of our vision of pursuing kingdom dreams. And here's what I'm recognizing. We are really good at awakening kingdom dreams. I can get up here and I can get you fired up about something. We can, we can have seminars and conversations and get people excited. And people are like, oh, I think this is my calling. This is the thing that God's called me to do. This is the thing that I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to walk into. This is the thing that Jesus is asking me to. What we're bad at is actually living those out. We've become really good at awakening to what God wants to do with us without walking in obedience because what we want is we want life without death. We want a dream without a fight. We want all the good stuff without any pain. And so we, we believe that every person, every follower of Christ has a kingdom dream and a kingdom assignment. And our job is not just to find it, but then to design our life around it. If we really believe that we are in this world, but not of this world, then we recognize that our assignment here is different than everybody else's assignment that our task here is different than everybody else's task. And if we're really seeing Jesus and we're really focusing on where he's at and what he's doing and how he's working, then we recognize that we have something planned for us. There's a good work that's been prepared for us in advance. There's a kingdom assignment. That word good work means, it's ergon in the Greek. It means occupation. There is an occupation that we have been given from heaven that matters far more than whatever else we're doing that is more significant than anything else that's happening. And here's the reality. Our calling will require suffering. That is not fun. I wish I could stand up and say to you, there is a kingdom assignment for you, and it's super easy, and anybody can do it, and it won't cost you anything, and it's free, and it's good. I, I can't. Our kingdom assignments will cost us something. They are painful, they are hard, they are difficult, they hurt, and unless something dies in us, they will never come to life. And so one of the questions that I've been reflecting on as we enter into this new year is, Jesus, what needs to die in me so that your dreams for my life can come to fruition? What's the thing that needs to fall to the ground and just be thrown away? Is it an attitude? Is it a belief? Is it an action? Is it, a, is it a, something that I love that I need to give up and I need to sacrifice? What is that thing inside of me that needs to die? Every person ever called by God had to experience some sort of pain, chaos, confusion, frustration before the thing God told them to do came to fruition. Like it's everywhere here. Take any story all throughout scripture, any time where God calls somebody to something, there is pain on the road to get there. There are challenges on the road to get there. If our calling never leads us to sacrifice, never leads us to pain, never leads us to hardship, never leads us to any difficulty, we don't have a calling, we have a hobby. And some of us, we have made our spiritual life a hobby. What do you do? Uh, I like video games. I play a little basketball. Oh, and I'm a Christian. We've put it in that category. It's the same as just, it's just this hobby. It's just this little thing. I, I go to church on Sundays. That's what I do. I eat Chick-fil-A. That's what I do. 
Our calling doesn't move us away from things that are hard. It pushes us towards them. And if there's, we, we, when we talk about the type of disciples we want to raise up in the Grace family, we talk about this rooted and renegade disciple. And rooted means we're going to be rooted in the word. We're going to be rooted in our community. We're going to be a local church and a local parish, and we're going to be rooted in what God is saying. But renegade means we are feisty enough to fight for it. One of our core values is that we will wreck the roof to get people to Jesus. We will be the friends that are on that roof, tearing it apart, figuring out how to lower somebody down to get there because there is no work that we won't do to bring people to, to, to Jesus. And the problem with the American church is we're far more satisfied with, with comfort and, and hobbies than we are with calling. Calling is a word we throw out there, but we don't actually live it. We want a kingdom assignment that doesn't cost us anything. But God doesn't give those assignments. Uh, think about this. Imagine that um, my kids are little. My kids are older now. Um, my youngest is 12, so I don't do babysitters anymore. Uh, you guys do babysitters, right? They got little ones. Imagine they're, they're, you got a babysitter, and you're getting ready to have that babysitter come and hang out and, and, and do something. And you're like, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to bring the baby to your house and we're going to be there at 6 o'clock. And you show up at the house. And when you show up at the house, the house is a disaster, right? The house that you're taking the baby to is a mess. It's freezing. There's, there's like um, nothing's put together. The person who is about to babysit, it looks like they just woke up from a 10-hour nap, right? There's, um, the, there's like an open fire in there and the child could touch it. There's, there's all the bathroom chemicals are setting out and there's straws sitting beside it. Uh, there's like a... <laughs> There's like a swimming pool that has like a slide that's like attracting the children to it. Like if you walk into that house and you see that the person who you wanted to do the job is not prepared to do the job, what do you do? You go find somebody else. You leave and you say, you know what? I'm gonna find somebody whose house is clean, who's prepared to watch my child who doesn't have chemicals and straws, right? I'm gonna find that person who's ready to watch my child and take care of them because I need somebody because this is too important for me to give this task to somebody who doesn't wanna prepare for it. We do the same thing. I got a calling. I got a vision. I know what God wants me to do. I know I'm, he, he wants me to go lead this ministry. He wants me to start this thing. He wants me to gather people at the park and pray. He wants me to start a discipleship group. He wants me to do whatever. And all we do is we sit around and we blame somebody else for the fact that we're not doing it. We're frustrated that something else isn't happening. We, we, we sit around and we don't prepare for it. We don't step into it. We don't act. We wait for somebody else to give us permission to do something that our, God has already given us permission to do. And we wonder why nothing is happening. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and die, it will what? It'll remain alone. Some of you are like, why is nobody affirming my kingdom dream? Why is my dream alone? Why do I feel alone in this? It's because you haven't died to anything. It's because you're just walking around. You're not preparing. You're not doing the work that it costs to build these kinds of things unless it go, falls to the ground. And so as you're thinking about your kingdom dream for this year, as you're thinking about your word for this year, your kingdom assignment, I really do. I would love it if every single week the conversation that's happening in the back of the room as we're drinking coffee before church and as we're getting ready to leave and as we're eating meals together, the conversation is, how's your kingdom dream going? 
What's your kingdom dream? What's the thing that God's doing in you? How's he working? What's happening there? Because imagine what happens when our church is unleashed into this community. Imagine what happens when every single one of us are ministers in the, in the area that God has called us to. Imagine what happens when all of us were obedient and all of us are willing to die to ourselves so that others might live. That's when breakthrough happens. That's when amazing things starts to happen. Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 says this. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and he sold everything he had and he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything and he bought it. Some of us, we know our kingdom dream. We're just not willing to sell everything to go get it. It's been given to us. And I can promise you this. I've been around a while now. I just turned 47 last week. All right? I've been pastoring for a really long time. Here's the thing I can promise you. Pursuing your kingdom dream, living in the calling, in the sweet spot of where God has asked you to be is far more beautiful than anything this world has to offer you. It will be hard. Being a pastor is stinking hard sometimes. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's frustrating. But there, I, I'm, I'm like the disciples. Where else am I gonna go? What else am I gonna do? This is the thing that you've created me to do. I could go coach basketball. Less people would yell at me, probably. Except for some moms and dads. There are probably some mean moms and dads in basketball. I could go do that stuff. But I gotta be in the sweet spot of where God's called me to be. And in that space, there's something so beautiful that happens. Um, so, so as you start the new year, it's always crazy to me that we all have, we think about our business. Everybody's got a goal for your business in the next few months. These are the things that I'm going to do. These are the strategies. These are the, this is what's going to happen. Uh, students, if you're in the room, you've got a, like a learning plan. My son is leaving for college today, and he was like looking at his schedule and like deciding, like, I think I need to add a couple hours. I think I need to switch this class and this class because I think I need to learn about this, and I think I need to have this for my credit hours. I need to plan these things out. We've got goals for our kids, Right? How, how many hours are we going to invest in them? What are our family rhythms? How are we going to spend time with them? We've got goals for our fun. Like, we gotta go on vacation. We gotta have a spring break. We gotta get to the beach. I gotta get to the mountains. I gotta get on a boat. I gotta, we got goals for all of these things and we completely neglect our spiritual life. And we've set nothing before us. What are your goals for the kingdom this year? And what needs to die so that you can achieve those goals? The last thing is to be where Jesus is. Verse 26 says this, if anyone serves me, he must follow me and be where I am. There my servants will also be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor me. So if anybody wants to serve me, just be where my Father is. Just be with me. Be around me. Do uh, you guys remember when you first met your spouse? So I met Sarah in college. Uh, I was a senior and she was a freshman and she roomed with my sister. Uh, and it just was like happenstance, just happened to work out that way. And so we had an apartment off campus and they would come over because we had food. Uh, and, uh, and we also had freedom. We went to food. Uh, and, uh, and we also had freedom. We went to a Christian college, which is one of those, like, you can't talk to girls after 8.30 at night or something like that. Like, it was one of those weird things. And so, like, off campus, you could talk to girls whenever you want. Uh, and so... We moved off campus very quickly, uh, and, and we, we were living off campus, and we would have, like, pancake nights, and we would have, and, and Leah would come over, my sister, and she would bring Sarah, and I was like, huh, 
she's interesting. Uh, and, and I just wanted to be around her. And, and so, like, when you're, when you're young and you're attracted to somebody, you just want to be close to them, right? So, like, I would just figure out how to sit by her whenever everybody was around, right? I would, like, elbow somebody out of the way or, like, dive on the couch just be like, hey, what's up, girl? Uh, like, I, I would just do that kind of thing. I, like, we were driving somewhere. I would figure out how to sit by her in the car. I figured out when she was eating lunch, and I just happened to show up at the cafeteria every day when she was, it was, it was very stalkerish, right? That's, that's what I did. But when you're in love with something, you just want to be with it. You just want to be around them. You just want to be close to them. I didn't really care. I didn't have an agenda for sitting by her. I didn't have some plan. Uh, of course, I didn't have any kind of plan. I just wanted to be around her because I liked her. The reality, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then be where I am. Just be close. Stay close. Do whatever it takes to stay close to Jesus. Build rhythms and patterns. We just talked through a rule of life. Build a rule of life so you can have these rhythms and patterns for following. Henry Blackaby, in his amazing book, Experiencing God, said this. He said, many people want God to call them to a big assignment. However, what they try and do is they bypass the love relationship with him. The love relationship is why God created you, and it's far more important to him than what you do. So anticipate that God will start working with you and drawing you into an intimate love relationship that is real and that is personal. And when that love relationship is right, God will be free and be giving you his assignments and his initiatives. Whenever you do not seem to be receiving assignments from God, listen to this, whenever you don't seem to be receiving assignments from God, Focus on your love relationship with him and stay with him until the assignment comes. If you don't know where to go, if you don't know what your kingdom dream is, if you don't know what your vision is for the year, if you don't know what to do with your kids, if you don't know what to do with your job, if you don't know what to do with something, here's my advice. Sit next to Jesus wherever he's at. Follow him. Be there. Be present. Be with him. Get quiet. Get in solitude. Find some spaces to just be with Jesus. So here's the three challenges for 2022. One is just ask for Jesus. I wanna see Jesus. Start your prayer every morning with Jesus, I wanna see you today. And get your Holy Spirit antennas up waiting for him to do something because he's going to when you ask. Be ready. When you start praying for an assignment, when you start praying for opportunities, Jesus is so good that he gives them to us. The second thing is Pay attention to what needs to die in you so that your kingdom dream can come to life. Ask the hard question, Jesus, what needs to die in me so that I can live? What needs to die so that I can live? And finally, understand that we've gotta be close to Jesus. Just be where he's at. Arrange your life to create time and space with him. So we're gonna move into a time of, of kind of prayer and communion. The band is gonna kind of come back up and, and there's communion tables kind of all around the room. And, and here's what I really want to do today that's a little different from the way we kind of end the service usually. I want us just to take communion and spend just three minutes, five minutes, just kind of quietly um, spending time with Jesus. So um, take that juice, take that wine, th or take that juice and the bread, there's no wine, uh, and just thank him for it. And, 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 and ask these three questions just really simply. Ask him that you could see him in 2022. Just say, Jesus, I wanna see you. Ask him what needs to die in you so that you can come to life. And ask him, how do you get close to him?
What are the things that you need to do to get close to him? So as we move into communion, I want you to do that. And then we're going to sing together a new song. And it's, it's my favorite song. It's just been on rotate over and over again for me for the past month. I'm annoying my family because I play it so much. But it's just simply called I Speak Jesus. And it's just this prayer that says, I'm going to speak Jesus over my family. I'm going to speak Jesus over my workplace. I'm going to speak Jesus over my community. I'm going to pray and have this attitude of prayer that Jesus is going to do something. I'm going to live with an awareness and awakeness that God is moving and working and that he's got plans for me and that those plans are beautiful and holy and good and I'm ready to step into them. And so Holy Spirit of God, I pray right now that you would stir it up in our hearts right now in a new and a fresh way. I pray that you would awaken new and fresh visions for 2022. I pray that you would awaken kingdom dreams in our heart. They're gonna transform not just us, but the people around us and the people that we serve. I pray that we would see you. I pray that we would be close to you. I pray that wherever you are, you would find Grace Marietta beside you, walking behind you, saying, let's go. Tell me where to go. What are we doing next? I wanna be where you are. And I pray that we would have the courage and the strength to allow something to die in us so that we can achieve our calling. And so right now, Jesus, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move and work in this place, that you would stir up kingdom dreams, and that we would be able to start this year proclaiming victory over what you've done in our lives and over what you're gonna do in the future. We thank you in advance for what's gonna happen in 2022. We thank you in advance that a year from now, there's gonna be a whole new list that we don't even know about. I pray that there's crazy things on that list, Jesus. I pray that there's encounters. I pray that there's salvations. I pray that there's marriages that are restored. I pray that there's hope that is received. I pray that there are dreams that are unleashed. I pray that there are students who come to salvation. I pray that there is discipleship that transforms our lives. I pray that you would do immeasurably more than we hope for or imagine that, that our, our, our list next year at Victory Sunday is bigger and more amazing and more incredible than anything we could ever imagine. And our commitment to you is you will get all the praise and all the glory. We thank you, Jesus. We ask you to do all of this according to your good works according to your grace and your mercy, not because we've earned it or because we deserve it, but because you are good and you are faithful to forgive us of our sin, to rescue us from darkness, to carry us through our brokenness and our pain. So we thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.